0: Welcome to "Say That" podcast, where your questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I am your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining us here is Glenn Fitzgerald. Uh huh. Also with us, Jed Brewer. Uh huh. And all the way from Rochester Tennessee, Lee Younger.
1: Uh huh. Oh, very good.
0: very good. I think Lee's had the most passion in it. I'm going to give that. I'm going to score that round to Lee. I score all the ones where they do. uh where they do the same uh, kind of intro, and there's a secret leaderboard somewhere on the internet that you can find, a kind of an alternate <laughs> reality game. And we've got some wonderful questions for you. We've got some good stuff lined up. But speaking of dark corners of the internet, oh, I must declare a Christian merchandise emergency.
2: What <laughs> an emergency?
0: And I am using the term merchandise in a very, very strange way. We've Wait, had- is this
2: where is this where Matt you confess to us that you? Only use testaments as Absolutely. your as your uh, breath <laughs> breath mint of choice.
0: Absolutely, there's no way to get around that. Um, so you know we we've dabbled into the the Christian versions of this show. You know we've we've been sent by uh, wonderful friends uh, in Nashville the uh, saving myself from my future husband small T shirt that Jed defying many many laws of physics somehow fit on in a. wonderful moment for the show and all of us. Uh, So this, but this is not quite that this is not necessarily mass merchandise. This comes to us from a friend of the show and uh, actual real life, close friend, uh, Joe Pendley, who found something on a website you have not thought about in many years, dear listener. And that's a website called Craigslist. (laughs) Mm. And Craigslist is a thing before Facebook marketplace. Craigslist was the most awful place. People sold things on the internet. And because it can't win in awfulness, it now goes for weirdness. And I, yeah. I bring to you, I, we're going to read through this together, and I'm going to start reading through, and gentlemen, jump in whenever you've got a thought. Starting from the top, crowd of thorns from Jerusalem. Uh, <laughs> what? This is posted an hour ago at the time of the screenshot in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, under the uh, category collectibles, <laughs> which, you know, big if true. Their description reads as follows. This was purchased in Jerusalem. It comes from the same thorny bush family that was used to crown and crucify Jesus. The people that make these in Jerusalem have scarred hands from crafting these to remind us of the great pain (laughs) these thorns cause. Uh, Yeah. These can be purchased there for $150 if you are with a tour group. Mm. We are selling this because we no longer have a use for it would make a great centerpiece for a church or office. $50, no calls after 6 p.m., calls only. Condition: good. Okay, okay,
3: wow. okay. Well, okay. I have several several thoughts here. I would imagine. Uh uh it can be purchased there for $150 if you're with a tour group, which appears to suggest that it's cheaper for tour groups, which uh I hate to tell you, buddy, I'm not sure that's exactly how that works.
0: That's certainly Uh, what the guy with the cart told him.
3: Also, uh, you appear to be wanting to sell a a crown of thorns here when the most critical place to send my money might be some form of protective gloves for the manufacturers (laughs) of this product who are scarring their hands. Apparently, maybe they just haven't heard of some kind of a padding or you know what but you have to get a sense of this picture i mean the thorns on this crown of thorns are probably what four five inches long easily i mean these are like crazy huge thorns here's my question to you how the heck did he get in in his luggage to get it home
1: oh that's an excellent question that is an excellent (laughs) question
3: I mean, it's like, uh, like it would puncture and ruin anything it touched, looking kind of thing.
0: Maybe he carried it on. <laughs> <I don't laughs> kind of like the thing where if your bag's a little over, you wear your coat so you don't have to check it and keep the, the size it. down.
2: I'm sorry, sir. Are you going to stow your crown of thorns?
0: Yeah. Here's the thing. And this is, uh, if the guy sitting on the plane next to me on the plane was wearing this crown of thorns, I still wouldn't ask. Yeah, <laughs> this sorry. is my favorite thing. Still about wouldn't man. talk to him. Yeah. Be like, yeah, sure, whatever just, you got going on, man. We're good. It
2: just puts the earbuds in, checks out. Yeah, yeah. My my favorite thing about this listing is the la- the very the very last two words: condition good. Now, <laughs> yeah, didn't want to when read it a, when I read a <laughs> a sales listing, like for, I, I you know. I, Every now and then I'll buy used books that are not in print anymore. And when it says condition good, you know, that means there's some wear and tear. You know, it's not perfect. It's not excellent. It's not Um, like new. It's not new. You know, and so my question is, what's the difference between a crown of thorns that's in excellent condition or mint or new and a crown of thorns that's in Simply good condition. Like,
1: what's happened to this, to this crown of thorns? Well, first thing is you took it out of its protective mylar bag, and it lost <laughs> half its value when you did that. Yeah. So It's no longer <laughs> a work.
3: collectible. Also, we are selling this because we no longer have a use for it.
1: <laughs> and that's, I just want to know the story. When did you have a use for it?
3: Look, we've, we've come to our senses, and we realize this is kind of weird and off-putting, so we no longer have a use for it, but we'd like to get some of the cash back that we sunk into it.
2: I, I would like to propose that maybe these are some actual sensible Christians who realized the entire Christian thing over the past few years has totally tubed out, and they're like, you know what? I'm disembarking. Yeah. That's entirely possible. It it's possible. The rare
0: win for sanity. It's like someone who's who's selling their uh, their coin collection. And they realize this is just not a way to live life anymore. Well, maybe, cast this monkey but, paw into someone else.
3: But maybe Lee's right. It, maybe they just, you know, for special occasions, they just took it out, you know, wore it, wore it around the house, <laughs> you know, go out to check the mail, you know, let the neighbors know what's up. That's maybe it's how part you of a costuming people. situation. Yeah, you know, you, that's that's just being a good witness is put on your crown of thorns and walk around. And, you know, next thing you know, your crown of thorns got a lot of wear and tear on it. And you're thinking, you know, if anything, it's time to upgrade. And so we don't have a use for this old beat up crown of thorns. We want sort of a newfangled, you know, fancier, more fashion forward crown of thorns. So let's unload this and, and move on.
0: It's all entirely possible. The the most fascinating character in this whole saga to me are the people who sell crowns of thorns to tourists in Jerusalem. Yeah. Because (laughs) I've done a little bit of traveling as well as in the show and rarely does the souvenir person only sell one thing. You know, you got to diversify. You got to have, you know, some sunscreen in case people forget that and a T-shirt and, you know, a nice, maybe some local jewelry. So I'm just picturing this just gentleman with, uh, for some reason, I picture a cart, kind of a, a taco, you know, truck situation yeah. and just a whole ball of these. But he just keeps yeah. pulling them off and just telling the new guy, the new guy's like, no one's going to believe these are real. And he's like, they'll believe it. <laughs> <laughs> it's from the same bush.
2: It's from the same foot. We have have no documentation about that. We're just putting words on a thing.
1: I mean, would it
0: be better if there was a certificate of authenticity, though? Wouldn't that be more concerning?
1: (laughs) I would enjoy it more. (laughs) Would certainly be a better bit. I have three related questions because here's the thing you're putting something up for sale on the internet. So here's the first question How low are you prepared to go? You want 150. What's it going to take to get us in a transaction today? That's, that's thing number one. Thing number two is, will you accept a trade? Oh, <laughs> yes. And wow. if so, what is the right thing to trade for oh, a gently yeah. used crown of thorns?
3: Yes. Well, yeah, so you could sort of come up with your own relic and see how, how good you can trade up.
1: <laughs> what, what if you went to the army navy surplus store, made a purchase, and told this dude, "I have the holy hand grenade of Antioch," right? Wow. And I'd like to trade it to brother you.
2: Son. Skip a bit, brother Maynard. Yeah. But if you have like a locust that passed through John the Baptist. Oh yes. Right.
3: Yeah, that's you know you it it it, it comes from Jerusalem, so that means you know. It's well, got to be real.
0: I think that's the thing. This this is not, to to best of our knowledge, claimed to be the crown of thorns that sat on the head of Christ. We're not in one of those situations where, you know, in, in medieval yeah. Europe, there were, if all of the people who claimed to have St. Peter's femurs, he'd have like 27 legs kind of thing. But it's just the same kind of genre. So just kind of, you know, this is an olive from Jerusalem where the Mount of Olives was.
2: 75 <laughs> right. bucks. This is a real thing that happened. My my dad, who was a was a high school football coach for forty five, forty seven years, something like that, was invited to go with a, a group of 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 coaches with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes on a trip to Israel, and he came back and and brought me a little container of of water from the Jordan River. Uh huh. And I'm just, you know. At the time that he uh, uh, handed let me, it to me. Uh, let yeah, me... Let me stop you right
3: in. there, Lee. Did you drink it? Question one. And question two, did you attain any temporary superpowers? <laughs> I did not drink it.
2: Well... So I don't know no, about Glenn, the that wasn't the Bible.
0: You got your Bible mixed up with your Incredible Hulk again.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, it's just such a funny thing because uh, at the... Bless his heart... At the time my dad gave, and and for those of you who are not from the American South, that's a phrase that we use when we feel sorry for someone. Um, bless his heart. Uh, at the time that my dad gave this to me, my wife was in full swing on the Marie Kondo thing. Uh, the 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 Jordan River water did not spark joy. It went immediately into the trash when he walked out of the room.
0: Let me just, here's a question I have about that, Fitz, is, and maybe the one, Tim, when you have. To our to our, uh, you know, our, Craigslist person here, when your dad says this was from the Jordan River, did he scoop this out himself? Right, right, or right. Or did someone just kind of have bottles on the side of the road? Exactly.
3: That's it. That's uh, it. Uh, okay, first of all, I need to say this. If you bring me water from the Jordan River, I'm drowning that like a shot immediately <laughs> upon you handing that to me. So if any of you I have mean, ever
0: wanted to poison Glenn, you just found out how to do it.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's no like, questions boom. asked. It's going right down. Just to see cuz you never know. You got to take a shot. So that's <laughs> thing number 1. Thing number 2 is I I want to go back to Jed's idea on the trading, okay? Because I think the way to do the trade is to to just go cuz this isn't the crown of thorns. It's a crown of thorns. Right, right. That is from Jerusalem, or whatever. So it's like one concentric circle out from what would be legit. So what you do is you just go one more further thing out.
2: Okay.
3: So you say, this is sand, and it's from Florida. It's genuine Florida sand. And it's just like the sand that they have. You know, by the Red Sea, so it's a, it's sand, and it's it's Florida sand, but it's the same sand that they have at the Red Sea, so it's very biblical
0: You are going to want to be careful putting that on the internet because I'm pretty sure genuine genuine Florida sand is slang for several types of street drugs <laughs> <laughs> so that's Probably that's definitely right. something to keep out for when you're trying to bargain for the crazy nonsense. You find when Christians go on Craigslist as we close this out, I will, I will share my favorite part of it, which is, uh, would be a great centerpiece for a church. Okay. I mean, you definitely know what kind of church this is. If you walk in and the first thing you see is a crown of thorns, but I love or office. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like maybe you're, uh, you know, maybe you're uh, a nice dermatologist. Maybe you run a a CPA. You you can really just put this out in front and just, Really tell people what's up when they come through the door. Not not, not in a
3: urology office. Let's not go there. That would... Uh, well, you could use this kind of a scale. Well, I, I think, yeah, if you're having a nice church buffet, you, you don't want a centerpiece that has, like, flowers or, you know, nice decoration. What you want is a crown of thorns in the center of your table, you know?
0: Centerpiece is a very interesting word there, because you just picture... You know the the associate pastor taking the the this lovely young couple that's come and wants to hear about the church. Like, oh, this is our children's area, and this is, uh, you know where we have the the this is the stage, of course. There's the crown of thorns. Uh, over here is where we have our coffee station. And just wait, what was that last one? <laughs> Your crown of what now? But uh, you know, not boring. And that was that's more than a lot of churches can say. So maybe maybe we shouldn't mock. Maybe this is a better sales. Uh, track than you have, but uh, if you have fifty dollars and an overwhelming amount of curiosity, uh you can you can head on over to Knoxville Craigslist and just see what you can find. And what we will find is an emergency off. Yes, um you gotta be careful on the internet because uh you know you might buy a counterfeit crown of thorns. You might even more disturbingly buy a real crown of thorns which I think is definitely uh worse. But there's also good stuff. You can head on to missionusa.com slash bridgebox and find something that that won't pierce you in any way except maybe occasionally emotionally from a beautiful (laughs) uh, written uh, song piece that we find over there. We are still in the month of March. We are talking about relying on God, songs, sermons, all sorts of good stuff over at missionusa.com slash bridgebox. You can, of course, also join us every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. For the bridge live over at facebook.com slash the bridge chicago. And if you can't catch it live wherever you are in the world, you can find it archived every episode over at the videos tab at facebook.com/slash the bridge Chicago. We're going to jump into our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I'll use ways you can touch this, or you can scroll down to the bottom of your episode description and find your links there. Our first question comes in and says. In 1 Corinthians 13.11, Paul says that when he became a man, he put childish things behind him. But Jesus says we should be like little children. What am I missing here? And a a very cool question. And Glenn, where do we start off?
3: Well, we start off by taking a magical journey into the Bible Nerdatorium.
0: Now with new Crown of Thorns, (laughs) bottom
3: (laughs) Craigslist. um so uh because in this case, having the actual Greek does give us a big clue to the meaning here because um the the word here uh in this verse uh talking about uh putting childish things behind him that's Nepios, and what's interesting about that is what it literally means is lacking in maturity uh it, it, you know, and it's well, I guess it's literal literal meaning is not being able to speak because you are so small of a baby that you don't have speech. Uh, But the, the idea is that you're lacking in maturity. So, you know, when he's talking about when I became a man, I put those childish things behind me. He means I learned to actually speak and think and reason as a person, as a, as a, a mature person uh so that it's important to point that out because this word nepios is not referring to a the English word child as in my offspring that's a different word and it's also not referring to the idea of someone who is a child in the sense that they are loved and accepted as part of a family you know uh um uh paul calls timothy his his technon uh, agapeton you know technon being that word for son my beloved son um that's a son in a figurative sense I mean, this is my child in a in a figurative sense we're not using those words here we're using a specific word for a, a tiny baby who doesn't know anything hardly you know that that kind of idea there so he's not using this word in the sense of being uh, like a child in, uh, for example, how you are creative or inventive, the way that children are. Uh, it's really talking about the way a childish person acts the way small children sometimes act stubborn and insist on their own way and, and that sort of thing. So there's a big difference, of course, in English between this idea of childlike and childish. The verse is clearly talking about childishness that i uh, that sense of not being mature in the way that you handle things uh, but to be childlike is to be creative it is to be inventive kids uh they th- no one has to teach them about make believe they just come with that in their programming they they start making up stories and uh you know creating characters and going on adventures it just it just flows right out of them it's one of the most amazing thing about children then we get older and we start to suppress that which really really sucks that's not a good thing uh we tend to say well i you know i i can't make up stories i'm not a playwright i'm an accountant you know i can't that's not for me uh so we leave behind that sense of uh childlike creativity uh we judge it and we we say you know i i you know i can't if i can't be serious about it and i can't be good at it then i i don't want to bother with it that kind of uh you know really rigid thinking but we've we've talked recently on the podcast about rest and how important and sacred rest is uh and of course we ha- all of us have a part of our lives where we're doing work whether that's schooling whether it's a career whatever it is you have a time where you work there's a time where you rest but you need a time in your life where you're where you're engaged in play. Yeah. That can yeah. be uh video games, that can be uh you know, reading a comic book where uh you know it's it's sort of allegorical, it's sort of a, you know, the Lord of Rings is isn't about a bunch of short dudes running around chasing after a ring. It's about you know, greed, it's about what, you know, striving after power does to people, it's about evil will find you if you're if you Misuse power. It's about binding together with the other friends and looking out for one another. All those kinds. It's allegorical. So you know, if you get if you get to that place by reading the book, that's great. If you get to that place by doing a comic book or a video game, sometimes you got to put on your Bilbo cape and your big feet shoes and go to the convention and whatever. That's great, but. The reason why play is important is because play is where we work out things and get new perspectives. Nice. So that's what I I want to encourage you to do is to go back to that childlike desire to play and to invent and to create, because we use that to work out stuff in our head to give us new perspectives. And that's really important to our walk.
0: It's an excellent, excellent place to start that off. And Lee, where would you pick that up?
2: I love all this stuff, I, you know, I, I, and I'm glad that we took a trip in the into the Nerdatorium. Um, I, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot when we look at some of these Bible passages, and we want to encourage you to do, and and it's something you've always been encouraged to do if you've listened to messages from uh, Matt or Glenn or, or Jed from any of the things from the bridge or the bridge loud or anything like that, is to really... Uh, take some time to take in the context of these Bible verses. Um, what these fellows will often say, and, and I'll say it in my, in, in my preaching as well, is read the whole chapter. Uh, when you go home, take some time, read this whole chapter, and, and keep us honest here. Um, when you do that, I think the thing that we want to be looking for in particular is when, when Jesus said what he said about children— who was he talking to, and what is the thing that had gotten out of balance that he was trying to bring back into balance, that he was trying to correct course on? And then, in the same way, you look at the whole context of this chapter where the Apostle Paul is saying this, um, or the chapter surrounding it, What? who was he speaking to, and what were the things that may have gotten out of whack that he was trying to bring people back into into balance and in, into a course correction kind of thing. The thing that I would suggest is when you look at the chapters, uh, when you look at the context of Jesus' words about children, what you see is that his disciples literally were not allowing parents to bring their children to Jesus because, in their minds, Jesus is the king of the world. He is mounting his campaign to take over, and we don't have time for people that are not important. The disciples were massively wrong about this, and Jesus illustrated this by saying, no, um, let these kids come to me. The kingdom of heaven is made up of such people. Um, There are things about children that we need to know that the kingdom of heaven is, this is essential for understanding what it means to be part of my kingdom, that, that kids are very good at. And one of the things that Jesus was pointing out is, Kids don't care who's famous or cool or anything like that. They are they are needy, they are weak, they need help and they are really good at those things. And I want to elevate that. The kingdom of heaven is for people who are weak and needy and need a lot of help. And I want to bring all of those people in. It's not who is the most capable or the wealthiest or the most important or has the most status. It's for people who need a lot of help and who are willing to admit that. Kids are really, really great at asking for help in things that they can't do for themselves. Adults have forgotten that skill. It's an important skill. Let's highlight that. On the other hand, you look at, like, what is the context of the things that Paul is talking about? In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking to people who have a lot of squabbles over small matters that don't—over small things that don't matter. And that's one of those things that when people grow, exactly as Glenn's saying, when people grow in maturity, when they, get, um, when they get over themselves a little bit, they grow in the ability to not squabble over little stuff that doesn't matter anymore. And Paul's saying, hey, when you grow in love, when you grow in selflessness, then you grow past some of the selfishness that you had when you were a little kid. And you grow in the ability to not squabble over little things that don't matter. On the one hand, you have um like on the one hand, you have people that need to learn how to grow up past their selfishness, past their insecurities, past some little things that cause them to squabble and, and argue. On the other hand, you have some people that need to grow down, that need to identify with the fact that they're weak and they need to ask for help. It's not that these passages are in conflict. We just need to broaden the context so that we can see what is it that, these, that Jesus was trying to course correct, and what is it that Paul was trying to course correct. There are things that kids are awesome at, and there are things that kids need to grow out of. And in some senses, we need to become like little children, and in some senses, we need to grow up and mature. When we take in the broader context, we can easily see the kinds of things that, where we need to grow up and the kinds of things where we need to grow down.
0: It's so a really, really a great point. I love that idea of growing up and growing down. And Jed, I'd love to get you to close this out. I think exactly, Leah's is on exactly the right track here of picking up more of these differences between a what we've derived a childishness, which is not helpful, and a childlikeness, which is something we do want to hang on to.
1: There's no doubt about it. I think one of the difficulties that we face here is that the English language can be super imprecise and yeah. use very similar words to mean very different things. Um, childish and childlike, as, as both these brothers have always pointed out are very, very different. And that's true in the context of Christianity. That's, that's also true outside of faith. You know, the, these are, are very different things. And, Although they, they both contain the word "child," um, actually most of their application has to do with adults. I mean the the most mature people that I know maintain and nurture actively a childlike quality in their lives mm-hmm. uh, the 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 people who are most mature, who are most um, who I most admire, certainly, are people who intentionally nurture a childlike quality in their lives. Meanwhile, uh, people who are childish there are childish 70 year olds there are childish 65 year olds there are childish 60 year olds um childishness is no respecter of chronology uh so uh we <laughs> th- basically think of all the worst attributes of a stereotypical toddler throwing a tantrum and then realize you see people of every age do all that same Lord, stuff so, so if there's one thing I would I would want to encourage you to to think about, it is the idea of again cultivating and nurturing actively a beginner's mind. And so yeah. that is an idea that refers to intentionally choosing openness, eagerness and a lack of preconceptions. Those are good things. Let me repeat them. Openness, eagerness and a lack of preconceptions. One of the things that was really unfortunate about my upbringing in the church is that I was taught that Christians should be the opposite of that. They should be closed off. They should be guarded and wary, and they should judge everything before they give it a chance. And that's what it means to be a good and faithful and reliable Christian. And that's nonsense, dude. Um, That is just, it's nonsense. That's born of fear and born of ignorance. And here's the beautiful thing. Christians do not need to be afraid. Um God loves you he has ransomed you back you don't need to be afraid which means that you can face life Um, with a childlike quality, with a beginner's mind. You can look at things with openness and with eagerness and with a lack of preconceptions. You can see the possibilities in things. Um, I I think actually that when love is in your heart, it should empower you to see possibilities um, that you couldn't see otherwise. I think love opens our eyes. I think joy opens our eyes to see possibilities, to see new things that are not yet, but they could be. I think that One of the most beautiful things that comes out of a beginner's mind is getting to be a part of bringing something new into the world, even in some small way, being closed off, being wary, uh, judging everything before you get into it. That is childish, not childlike. And if, if you were taught to live that way and to live out your faith that way, I want to encourage you to change that embrace that idea of a beginner's mind, of openness, eagerness, and a lack of preconceptions. I think it's going to yield a ton of great stuff in your life, and I think that you'll be glad that you did it.
0: That is all excellent, excellent stuff from these guys. I echo every single bit of that, and we will move to our next question here. It comes in and says, Why do I have trouble praying? I start praying in the middle of my prayer, a negative thought comes. My mind wanders, and I find myself apologizing to God as I struggle to refocus. What should I do if and when this happens in the future? And another great question. We talk about prayer pretty regularly on the show, and I, I think it's an important thing to look at, and I really like the uh, the specifics laid out in this. And Lee, where would we kick it
2: off? Yeah, this is a, this is a really great question, and, and I applaud you for writing it in, because um, all, all four of us on this show spend quite a bit of time helping people through their issues kind of one-on-one. Um, and and you would not believe how often this kind of question comes up when you're sitting one on one with a person. And so I'm glad that you had the guts to write this in. I think for me as I as I read through your question, the thing that struck me and kind of stood out to me like a highlighter more than anything else is just the way that you see God. Um and understand as I break this down, um, I identify with you. You are not alone on this because this is the way that I, I was kind of raised, reared, and taught to see God most of my life. But if if I could kind of give you um an illusion for for what I think is going on here, I would say that that the way that you see God is something like a judge in the Olympics um someone who is an expert in the thing that you're trying to do and is painstakingly measuring every single thing that you do based on form and technique and level of difficulty and at the end of it is going to give you a, sto- a score out of 10 here's here's how you did um it wasn't great here's where you fell short Um, it's probably a more stringent, you know, judging than you were hoping to get. And, um, you know, you know, work on it for another four years and we'll see you again at the next, next Olympics. I think that's kind of what's going on here because I see that you feel a lot of anxiety about prayer. I'm not doing it right. I'm, 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 you know, I, I get distracted. And so then I'm asking for forgiveness. And what I'd like to do is, I'd like to encourage you, if you can, to cancel all of that, to cancel this idea that God is judging your prayers. What if you just looked at the life of Jesus and realized that God has come a long way for me? And He's come a long way for me because. He likes me and he loves me and he wants to be in a relationship with me. If you could wrap your mind around that, if you could wrap your heart around that concept that God has come a long way for me because he likes me and he loves me and he wants to be in a relationship with me, actually wants to be friends with me, then I think that what could happen is you could relax. What if in prayer, when you get distracted and you start thinking about, I don't know, what you had for dinner or your favorite song or a show that you're really into right now, what if you felt free to simply talk to God about those things? Like, okay, I was praying for my friend in her job situation, but now I'm thinking about that show I'm watching and I can't believe the way the story arc is playing out with this one character. And instead of feeling guilty and asking for forgiveness about that, I'm just going to talk to the Lord about the show that I'm watching. By the way, He knows everything that's in our minds and hearts already. What if you just talk to Him about it? What if every little kind of birdwalk or um, every little side thing that you started to think during prayer, what if you could believe the truth of, God's not mad at me about any of that? I don't have to ask forgiveness about any of that. I can just talk to him about every piece of it. Um, what if you actually believe that, and then you could just relax and just talk to him? The encouragement that we always want to push people toward is prayer is you and God hanging out. You're just talking. Just you're just two people talking. He does. He is not hard on you, and. I think that if the Lord could have the freedom to say anything back to you, he would say, you are a lot harder on yourself than I am on you. I just want to hang out. If you could enter into that space where you realized God has come a long way for me because he loves me and he actually likes me and he just wants to hang out. If I get distracted, it's not a problem to him at all. I don't have to ask forgiveness for that. We can just talk about whatever. You could talk about anime, you could talk about food, you could talk about your furniture, you could talk about your friends, you can talk about all of it. God is wide open. He just wants to hang out with you. If you could peel back the way that you see Him, then I think that you could actually lean into and start to enjoy prayer in a whole new way.
0: That's an amazing place to start that off. That's really, really well put. And Jed, where do we take things from there?
1: Man, I agree with everything Lee said. That was fantastic. So let's build on that now. The first thing I would want to encourage you is um, God understands that uh, being a human is distracting and that (laughs) you've got about, particularly in the 21st century, in the middle of a global pandemic, you've got a lot on your mind. So God gets that. He understands that. Um, And I think it's really, really easy for us to... Try and envision things as spiritual problems that aren't, Um, and, and we tend to add a layer of guilt when we feel like it's a spiritual shortcoming. So I want you to try and experiment to kind of demonstrate something to yourself, which is I want you to go to a quiet place, take five minutes, you can set a timer, sit still and just focus on your breathing. Just try and breathe in and breathe out for five minutes and just focus on it. I think you're going to find that's a lot harder to do than you think it is and uh it's a good experiment to do for a bunch of reasons, but one of them is to demonstrate your distraction doesn't have anything to do with the fact that you're trying to pray. it's just you're distracted that's okay that's that's normal life man um uh that means you can stop judging yourself, and it also means Amen. you can you can stop judging your own thoughts um and that's really the next thing that I want to join Lee in encouraging you to do is don't judge your thoughts you you don't need to do that um you have two options. Um, when you are praying and a thought comes into your head, option one, like Lee said, which is an awesome idea is to say, you know what, let me talk to God about that one. The other option, if you have a thing that you're, you're trying to pray through and and you you don't want to get taken off of that, just let that pause, that thought pass you by, man. It's just clouds in the sky. Just let it pass you by and then gently return your focus to what you were talking to God about. Um, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything bad. There's, there's nothing to feel bad about. Don't judge your thoughts. Just let it pass you by. The, the worst thing that you can do, honestly, is to get clenched up. The worst thing you can do is to try and, and make yourself not have certain kinds of thoughts because that does not work. Um, and if you're not sure, go back to the experiment of just sitting still and focusing on your breath for a few minutes. What's going to happen if you do that, which I encourage you to do, is you're going to have all kinds of thoughts come through your head. If you try not to have them, you will definitely have them for sure, for sure, for sure. If you say, oh, that's a thought anyway, breathing time, what you'll find is that within 10 seconds, you'll have forgotten about that thought and you'll be back on your breathing. You are a human being. It is distracting to be a human. That's okay. It's important for you to understand that. Good news. God already understands that. You don't need to judge your distraction and you don't need to judge your thoughts again If you want to go uh, just uh, stream of consciousness and tell the Lord about whatever, that's awesome. If you've got something specific in mind, just let that thought pass you by, and then return your focus gently and non-judgmentally to the Lord. I think you're going to find that there's a lot of peace to be had in that, and that God totally understands.
0: I totally agree with that. That is an excellent, excellent tip. And Glenn, where did we close this out?
3: Well, yeah, I think we were talking uh, last podcast about this idea of blaming yourself instead of blaming the process, I think it's, you know, what the, both of these fellows are telling you is that you're, you're looking at a process of how to get into good, healthy prayer and be focused within it, uh, but you won't get there as long as you're blaming yourself and saying, there's something wrong with me, I like in character, whatever. I think if there's any problem that is more universal than this. I don't know what it would be. And it, and this is a thing I struggle with all the time. Mm. I mean, you know, prayer takes place inside my mind. That's the that's the uh that's the venue. And uh my mind is crowded, dude. I mean, there's a lot going on inside there. Um so I think Uh, It starts by recognizing that God isn't losing patience with our prayers. Uh, You don't get God to a place of impatience. That does not happen. That's not a thing to be worried about. Uh, God is not bound by time. He's not sitting around and just waiting for events to develop. So, you know, God is where we get our patience from. He he doesn't get impatient with us. That's just That's just a weird thought that does not fit reality. So we're not going to go with that. Uh, And then the second thing is to look at, can you make your mind a less crowded place? Uh, Mm -hmm. Because you really need to do that. That's what Jed is talking about when he says, you know, focus on your breathing is to not be thinking about 500 things all at once in parallel streams. And, you know, kind of infinitely switching back from one to the next to the next. That's not good for your mental health. It's not good for uh, your spiritual health in terms of having the kind of clarity that allows you to get some good prayer done. But you got to start with where you're at. You know, if 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 you if you're making your mind a little bit less of a crowded place and there's a little less distraction during that prayer time, that's fine. That's good. Let's let's uh, let's build on that. Let's not judge it, as these fellows are saying um it, just begin where with where you're at and you'll refine and improve as you go i think there's something about focus in prayer that becomes you you, you get more of it the more you do it you know the, with more practice you find more of that that kind of focus but if you if you're just determined in your mind bless your little hearts of i just I I feel like there's something bad about this. You know, it's like I interrupted a conversation with the Lord to think about that I really want cookies or, you know, I really want to, you know, watch this TV show or play this video game right now. And then I'm like, oh, no, wait, Uh, we were talking about important things, Lord, you know, that kind of thing. If that feels just, you know, in some way... um. Uh, uh, anti-religious and and sort of, in some way, a violation or something, and you you want to correct that in in a judgmental sort of way. Why not channel that into this thought of where did that thought come from? Where did it come from? So, if it's a worry, for example, where did that worry come from? If it's I want to do something fun and relaxing. You know, where did that come from? Is that your body trying to say that you need to relax? Is that uh, the devil trying to tell you you need to worry about things? Uh, is the Lord maybe telling you you need to relax and enjoy some things? You need to, mm. you know, you need to take a day off and, and go for a walk and, and relax yourself because that's, that's just where you're at right now. Where did this thought come from? If if you want to to be harsh with yourself at least figure out where this came from if you blame you for everything turns out you're going to be wrong a whole lot cuz mm. there there's external forces uh working on your spiritual life to mess you up and the way that we get out from underneath that is to say okay the devil is, is constantly selling me on this bad idea and he's constantly getting me on these distractions and then take that to the Lord in prayer and say, "I He's constantly distracting me with this. What do we do instead? How do we solve that? How, what's a different strategy? What's a different way of looking this and seeing it? How do I get there?" Then you're actually going to be solving problems. But if you just say, "I'm I'm in this place because I'm a bad person," you never get to a, a solution.
0: I think it's a really great point. I think a lot of what these guys are saying uh, really plays into each other. And the part that, that le- left out to me on this is I start to pray and in the middle of my prayer, a negative thought comes, which is if you're not starting out with negative thoughts, you're already better at praying than I am and far more <laughs> holy person. Cause you know, that's where we kick off. But I wonder if that doesn't imply a certain amount of you thinking that uh prayer is a time for is kind of like, um, you know, like uh, Thanksgiving where it's time to behave. Let's all just Make it through 30 minutes of being put together and we'll do that. And that's not what that time is for. As we talk about a lot on the show, um, prayers, a time to be honest, prayers, a time to, to, to let it loose prayers, a time to, to, uh, you know, uh, render garments and yell and swear and really get that stuff out there. And I think if you embrace that and the vent of it and, uh, the, the honesty of it, that's going to help with all this stuff these guys are talking about with the mindfulness and with not judging yourself, if you can be comfortable with your negative thoughts that you have them, that, that doesn't mean anything about you, then that's going to be another step in the very good direction these guys have given you. We're going to move on to our final question here. It came in and says, I have a close friend who has a lot of trauma around religious stuff. They're raised in a very repressive, manipulative church. I don't know how to talk about faith with them or if I even should try because it seems to bring up pain for them. Any advice? And a, a very cool question, and uh, a, a by the numbers, uh, a lot of people are having this experience in churches and having this experience no longer going, so you're going to probably run into them whether you know it or not. And Jed, where would we start this off?
1: It's a great question, man. I'm glad that you wrote in, and I'm certainly sorry for what your friend has gone through and is is dealing with today. Uh, I have a lot of friends like that, so I'm going to tell you what I do. You don't have to do this. It's just my my personal approach, and of course, there's Always exceptions and there's always wrinkles, but but in general, here's what I do and here's what I would recommend: is just be their friend. So, yep. just hang out with them, celebrate their victories, mourn their losses, eat tacos together, invite them to do cool things with you. Um, ideally, said cool things would include stuff like serving other people. Um, I, I hope that that's on you know, a list of stuff that that you do that you can invite them to be a part of. Uh, But just be their friend, man. Um, You know, share, share your life with them. That's what friends do. I think part of what is kind of built into your question is wondering if you need to do more than that. And I think it's worth asking, what would more than that be? So, for example, are you wondering if you should try to be a counselor to them? And my question back to you is, would that be a good idea? Would a counselor yeah. being their counselor be a better idea? Because what might work really, really well is for you to be their friend and for their counselor to be their counselor. Um, and it's worth noting, too, that, you know, you talk about people, you know, had a real negative experience with religion and they're, they're not sure about it anymore. You know, in the United States of America, that, that can mean anything from, you know, I went to a really boring church and they didn't like rock music and, you know, I'm glad that's over with. To people who experienced full on abuse um, you know on a uh, weekly or more basis um, in a place that purported to be a house of God, so I think that for a lot of people, letting their counselor be their counselor and you being their friend is a much much better option and that leads then kind of to the next question in terms of of your goals, uh, which is are you trying to witness to them do you do you feel that like you have some kind of obligation to you know, uh, correct their their uh, misconceptions about the the church. Um, a few things on that. Uh, first of all, you are not their savior. Um, mm-hmm. their, their savior is meant to be Jesus Christ, um, and the the person whose job it is to draw them to Jesus Christ is actually the Holy Spirit. Now, you are meant to be a witness, not just to them, but to the whole world. But here's how you do that: is that's how you live your life, man. Your life is your witness, and they definitely, for sure, see it—good uh, or bad. Uh, if you're listening to this show and you're writing this question, I imagine it's good. But, but people see what you're on. That's you know one of the weird ideas about American Christianity over the last thirty years is that if I don't tell you that I'm a Bible carrying Christian, how would you know? People know, bro. People know. It's, yeah. we're 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 all aware. So that takes us back to just being their friend, um, being someone who loves them, who celebrates their victories, mourns their losses, does cool stuff with them. And again, I, I think it's so, so easy to undervalue this stuff. Just so you know, most people have very few friends and vanishingly few good friends. And I don't yep. mean good in the sense of intimacy. I mean good in the sense of quality. Yep. Um Friends who, if their car broke down at two in the morning and they needed someone to come pick them up, would actually do that. That would help them move. Jed. That would help them move. Man, there's a lot of people who mm-hmm. have a lot of acquaintances. There's not a lot of people who have a lot of friends. It's a huge, huge difference. Be their friend. That's what I would do. Be their friend. Share life with them. Um be there for them. That's gonna <laughs> do <laughs> that's gonna do a lot more work than you'd think. And again. Um, It's work that you are uniquely qualified to do. Their counselor can be their counselor, their therapist can be their therapist, but you are qualified to be their friend, and they definitely need a friend.
0: An excellent place to start that off. There's so much good stuff going on there. And Glenn, where would you pick it up?
3: Well, uh, yeah, I think part of the problem here, is, and I, I think we're all kind of uh, circling this point, is that. Uh, we're not used to talking to people from the very beginning about christianity uh in fact i think we we think of of christianity encompasses all re- religion like religion is a subset of christianity uh and and if you believe in christianity you believe in religion and if you believe in different things, you are on a false religion that is not religion uh so I think uh part of the solution here is to think like a person who talks to people who have no sense of religion you know just are outside of the world or they, they just weren't raised in the church, they weren't raised around that uh I've had a lot of experience with that, and I can tell you the first thing that you want to do is um to take all of the vocabulary out of out of what you're talking about i mean to think as just as a thought experiment, can you describe, for example, your own spiritual life without using any doctrinal words of any kind mm. uh, it, what's funny is you'll find that kind of difficult and you'll find that uh, you're it's difficult to free yourself from doctrinal thinking as a way of describing. Your spiritual life, so I mean, even if I used a word like prayer, for example that ha- that has sort of a loaded meaning and it means a little bit different things for different people, and some people may have been in some uh a, a dysfunctional religious environment where uh they you know someone actually did that in an unhealthy way in a way that was uncool uh so Can we just call that talking to God instead of prayer? Just using that kind of language. Uh, Beyond that, I think uh, if we started describing a spiritual life and what your spirituality is and what you think spiritual things are without using any of that doctrinal language, I'd be surprised if you had a lot of disagreement from people, even those who might describe themselves as, as, as agnostic. If I talk in those kinds of ways, I can get around to Christianity, but I have to begin at the beginning of what is the landscape, what is the the the, the terrain of a spiritual life in its raw essence, or what it means to, to to be spiritual, to think spiritually, and finally, I would say you really need to. Th- think in terms of letting everyone find their own path. Some people come to Christianity through a book that they read, some of them have a friend witness to them. These are all different ways of coming to the Lord. They these are different paths that they took to get to where they are. Uh they might have a certain overlap in, in their experience after that, and that's great. We can call that Christianity, and that's great. But it's about take letting people take their time and figuring things out their own way and if you do that in a way that uh, where they feel comfortable inviting you into the process and discussing that, I think you're going to find that you can get along with people and have a lot of witness to them Mm. and talk about a lot of spiritual stuff and not have any disagreements or touching on sort of uh, tenets of the religion that were used in an abusive way that they want to avoid.
0: All really, really good stuff. And Lee, where would you close us out on this?
2: You know, I think number one, we've heard a lot of awesome stuff from these guys. And I think it's it's all too often and it's heartbreaking that we hear these stories of people who are they don't want to talk about uh any any stuff with the Lord because they have been because they've been manipulated, they've been lied to, they've been abused, they've been taken advantage of. Exploited by people who claim to be Christians, um, a- exactly as these guys are talking about. This is not a situation where you need to go in guns blazing, talking about Jesus. I one hundred percent, completely agree with uh, exactly where Jed started this, and I would just, I, I would just kind of um, lean into this idea further and say, in my experience, the thing that. Uh, pushes relationships forward farther than any other thing is shared experiences. If you want to reach somebody, um, don't set up a conversation about Jesus. Set up a camping trip. Set up a um uh, 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 some hangouts and just spend time together. Um. The thing that Jeb was saying about being friends, the thing that's so important about that is when you have shared experiences, when you experience something with another person that no one else experienced, and you start building a catalog of those, then you become the person that was there for them. You become the person that was at critical inflection points and moments in their lives, in their life. Um. And then, outside of shared experiences, simply look for ways to meet that person's needs. Um, Jed, in his response, said, mourn when they mourn. Um, Be the person that's there to talk to them and pick up the pieces when they have difficult situations. They're going to. Everybody does. When they have a hard day, be the person that knows how to respond to that, how to walk them through that. This This is the way to play what we call the long game. Um, outreach. Um, when, when I was growing up in church, the, the way that people in church talked about outreach was, and, and some of you guys probably, uh, heard some of this too, was like, you just have to be bold, man. You just have to be a bold witness. Just, just mm. go in there and just ask somebody if you were going to die today, where would you go? Like that kind of thing. Um, Red I had lobster. I, <laughs> I knew a guy who had a backpack where he had play, you know he had he had like put duct tape on the outside of the backpack and had written that question on it and he would go walk around the mall <laughs> and hope that someone was going to engage this this question this is not what we're looking for we're looking for the long game of being a consistent presence in somebody's life, someone they can trust, someone who meets their needs, someone who cares about them, someone with whom they have shared experiences, so that when they have a problem and or they have questions about these exact situations, you're the person they go to. What we want to do is create shared experiences. We want to be the person that cares for somebody and picks them up when they fall apart. And we want to play the long game the long game of being a consistent presence in someone's life so that when they have questions you're the one that they come to i'm the one that they come to that's the kind of thing that we want to do it's not that's that's not maybe sexy or glamorous it's not a dramatic or anything like that but it's real life man it's the, the real life is is slow and um and it's sincere and it's honest we're talking about building real friendships where we actually care about somebody and maybe it's maybe the conversation happens in twenty years. But regardless of whether or not it happens, we actually spent our life caring about somebody and building a life with somebody. And that in itself is something that matters. And it's in itself is something that can draw somebody to the real love of our Lord.
0: All oh, wonderful stuff you've heard from all three of these guys. One thing I would tack on the end here is Um in- less of a you know how many how many people did you witness to this week kind of ways even churches have a very some positive ideas about reaching out and witnessing um sometimes the best they are the best idea they give you is well ask them to come to church which is somebody saying this whole thing is they don't want to come to church that's a bad idea and the other thing about that is if you grew up and, and you are one of the very lucky people who grew up in an environment in a church like a Triple C, like many of the churches we partner with, the bridge, where you have had pretty much nothing but a positive, uh, affirming, or you know, loving experience in church, uh, we are all happy for you. That is wonderful. That doesn't change the fact that church is a sore spot for some people. So it doesn't really help to say, "Oh well, I know your church was boned, but you can come to my church. My church is a good church." Even if that's true, that's not the way we treat people who have dealt with trauma. You know, you don't say to someone who had a horrible uh, family experience growing up, you don't say, yeah, but my family was really nice. So I feel like you're not being fair to families. That's not how that works. And you can't get in a thing where you're trying to kind of uh, stick up for the brand of churches and your church and whatever as a thing. People's experiences and their traumas are theirs. They're not for us to, if we're not mental health professionals, they're not for us to evaluate. They're not for us to to grade on a curve about what was really bad. They're they're there to be understood. They're there to be empathized with. And from that standpoint, you can really apply all the great advice these guys gave you when it comes to that stuff. If you have a question for us, you can write say that podcast at gmail.com or you can head over to thebridgechicago.tumblr.com if you want to keep that entirely anonymous. You can join us every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time at facebook.com slash thebridgechicago.com the bridge live or if you can't join us live you can catch it archived over there whenever you want we take out the song this week this is from our march edition of bridge box this is our friends in the deacons division with a song called everlasting take out that thanks for listening just remember we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it
3: call now and order your genuine jerusalem donkey just like the donkey jesus rode on <laughs> impress your friends when they see you riding into parties on your very own jerusalem donkey matching robe and sandals sold separately call down donkey operators standing by what a
4: fellowship what a joy to find i'm leaning leaning on the arm everlasting what a blessing this for the peace of mind Leaning on the armor everlasting. I'm leaning, leaning, I'm leaning. Safe and secure from all alone. I'm leaning, leaning, I'm leaning. And on the arm, everlasting. Where do I get my hope? Streets on fire, smoke thick, so I choke. Beat get higher in my chest, so I don't rest. wire in my mind, but I'm still blessed. Old life like a bando, won't live in it. I'm a real man, though, so I'm giving it all to my God on high. Open my eyes, keep them on the prize. No more lies when I look back. No more lies, life stay on track No more lies, no it ain't no act Race up sad, so you won't get cracked No, it's a fact, God's love, it's the universe He gave it all up for me, put it in the verse Lived scared, life alone and it was the worst When I was doing God dirty, He was loving me first How sweet the walk in this new way I'm leaning Leaning on the arm, everlasting How bright the path, growing every day I'm leaning Leaning on the arm, everlasting Been secure from all alone In the squad of Satan, but God's love flipped us. My head, He lifted up. Freedom, He give us. Too good to quit love. is better than all the death we whipped up. That grace is a new taste. Gotta look in my mirror. See a new face. Grace sounds sweet, cause it ain't earned. Can't nobody take away what I learned. Forget what you heard. I can see the path now. I won't get bird, God lead me now. So I won't turn. Not left, no right. That path so bright. We'll talk all over. So God gave me a light. I won't hide it in shame. I won't hide it in fear. I won't hide from the world because Jesus is near. Oh. God with us like a manual, try to fix your life, better open up the manual. Where have I to dread, where have I to fear? I'm leaning, leaning on the arm everlasting. I got total peace, Jesus so near. I'm leaning, leaning on the arm everlasting. I'm leaning, leaning, I'm leaning, safe and secure from all alone. leaning, leaning, I'm leaning, safe and secure from all along, I'm leaning, leaning, I'm leaning,